You're listening to Campus Review Radio. But what I can't stand 
is really quite logical. Scientifically trained people make excuses for these situations. Often you will hear people say, this is a pipeline problem, or this is a societal problem. We can't do anything about this. Let me respectfully, respectfully point out the words that, without the words that I only use in front of my husband, <laughs> to point out that this is just not true. The average female proportion of PhD completions in mathematics in Australia has been around 25% for the last two decades, for over two decades. Correspondingly, the proportion of level A and B lecturers who are female in mathematics sciences has been about 30%. But last year, only 8% of mathematics professors in Australia were female. This steep decline has been in place for decades. What happened to those many talented, capable, strong female researchers? Let me give you a hint. When I was interviewed for the chair of applied mathematics here, a member of the interview panel said, your reference letter suggests that you're very young for this job. Do you have a response to those concerns? And waited, my As a high-powered person in the university, he would have known that asking questions based on age was illegal, even in those days. Nevertheless, he phrased the question in a way that skirted the legal boundary and at the same time implied criticism. So I say, I suffer from the curse of the youthful Asian face. As soon as I heard the panel laugh, I knew that my referees had not criticized me, or even possibly raised the issue of my age with any concern. But think about why the questioner had raised a matter that had nothing to do with how well I satisfied the selection criteria, or being a cause of concern to any of my referees. It broke no rules. No one on the panel intervened to deflect the question. It was actually a subtle trap, because what it did was to raise the temperature to see how I responded. These traps are universal and an enduring reality for everyone. We only have to read novels by Jane Austen and Henry James to see other examples. But in a university, we're not competing for a wealthy bride of women. We are supposed to apply good judgment, not nefarious actions, to select the most talented people we can. Why? Because attracting and keeping the best talent lifts everyone's game. Whether it's the scholarly level of your discipline or the standard of education we can offer to our amazing students. These subtle competitions and games that skew the playing field so much towards one gender, race, or ethnicity can only be playing out this way by deliberately ignoring talent. And in this setting, the system gets set in the mode of famine, where it fails to encourage and support a high level of performance from 
everyone. As Marianne mentioned, in 2013, the Australian Academy of Science initiated an important program. What happened in 2013 was that the Academy failed to elect anyone into its fellowship. As members of council at the time, I and Brian Schmidt were able to persuade the Academy to make fundamental change in the culture of research organisations in Australia by bringing in the Venus Fund Initiative to Australia with a program called SAGE, Science in Gender Equity. Science in Australia Gender The Australian Academy of Science and the Academy of Technological Sciences and Engineering are now jointly leading a pilot of SAGE of the Athena's Fund scheme, and it's been enthusiastically taken up by most universities and major publicly funded research organisations in Australia. And I'm very proud, really, really proud, that the University of Sydney was one of the original uh, signatories, participants in this pilot. It's important to realise that the pilot requires us to pursue three steps. That is, carry out a nuanced, gender-based data analysis of our workforce, particularly in the STEM areas, reflect, genuinely reflect, on the causes of the holes and deficiencies pointed out by this data, and propose an action plan to address these holes. Believe me, we have a lot of holes to fill. But my work would have failed if you were to say, oh good, Someone's looking into this. The SAGE self-assessment team is led by Trevor Hamley, who is here, and Renee Ryan, who is in the second row here. At the very least, you should know who they are. You should take a look at the website that they are putting together, and hopefully investigate, inspect the data that they're gathering, and bring up any actions that you see might be missing in what we're doing. My main message to you is that talent is blind to gender, sexuality, identity, background, and race. Encouraging and supporting diverse talent encourages and supports everyone. Part of that encouragement is to acknowledge and celebrate that diversity. And that's why we're here today. But I have to say that I felt deeply humbled and conflicted when an email arrived inviting me to be a subject for a portrait to become here. Take a look at the people in the portraits around this hall. In my first city, I tried to look like them. <laughs> <laughs> I failed miserably. <laughs> Thankfully, the face didn't last long. After more than 35 hours of sitting with Celeste Chandler, who was an amazing artist, she's sitting here I came to understand what this painting is. Layer after transparent layer, and as the easel moved in a circular arc around the sitting room, I came to understand that it captured all angles of view and all directions of light to come alive as an entity on its own. I'm incredibly pleased at the way my work and my history have come together so powerfully in the composition of this painting. It's a mirror of the diversity of what is in the university now and what it could be. 
I've had many more dreams since my young dream of saving the world. I dream that we won't have to wait another 160 years to fill this hall with portraits of the huge diversity of amazing people who work here. Thank you.